an armory just hanging on the wall with lots of phasers in it because the kitchen may one day be the last line of defense. Captain's Pod, Stardate 3186.22.5. Five? Oh, she got it. Point five. No, I... I, I said five. What? Were you covering your bases? How many numbers were you mm-hmm. covering there? I, I started with four, and yep. then I just followed five? you instinctively. Five? Welcome aboard the Starships Enterprise, and thank you for joining us as we take a brief shore leave from the world of cinema since to explore the universe of Star Trek. I am your captain, Ian Whittington, and with me, as always, she's the Excelsior to my Enterprise. Shit's Ambassador Danae. Shit's Ambassador! Shit. Woo! Shit ambassador Danae <laughs> Hello. Um, is this an official bonus episode at this point? Like, what are we doing here? This is our very first bonus episode. So this will be an additional episode in your feed. Um, so you're welcome, first of all, all of you, even though you don't know what's happening yet. Actually, no, you will, because you've seen the title. The I ti- forget yeah. how time works. Yeah. So titling titling is important. This is a very special episode. We're going to be watching Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. Um, There is a specific reason we are starting with this particular film, um, and that will be revealed later on in the episode. Or maybe never. Also, I have to say I'm slightly disappointed that this is the first one because I really thought we were going to be doing... Beverly's sex candle episode. <laughs> <laughs> that has been in the schedule for two months. And I think that's going to be the next bonus episode we do. It will happen. It has to. It has to happen. We've talked about it, it so much. It has to. I need to see this episode for reasons. You really you really do. Like there is this is not the Beverly Sex Candle episode. Stop. We're not gonna get into it right now, but <laughs> you will love it. Um now, why aren't we doing the one with the whales? I hear you all cry. Because we need we can't just do the one with the whales on its own. We have to do the Rathacon first. The Search for Spock, and then The Voyage Home. That is a trilogy. It has to be done that way. So if we're doing an original series movie, the next best step is to do The Undiscovered Country. Um, Now, the object of this little introduction is to just give Danae a little bit of a primer about what she needs to know going into this movie. Because We call this Star Trek lube. (laughs) Yes, this is some Star Trek lube just to to give her the best possible chance of a clean entry into the film. Mm -hmm. Um, I I would like to come out unchafed. (laughs) <laughs> there will be chafing. There, there will be, oh no! I, I will be chafing because there are some bits of this film that I will just be bursting because they're so so good. This is my my top three wobble so much. First contact, the Rathacan, and Undiscovered Country, and I cannot hand on heart say where Undiscovered Country is at the minute because I love it so so much. Um, but it is daunting going into it. You haven't seen any of the original series. You no. know some of this crew from the J.J. Abrams films? Okay. So they're the new Star Trek films with Chris Pine. Oh, so this is a new one. This isn't like an old school one. No, this is an old one. But I mean, your only Wait. knowledge of this crew is from the J.J. Abrams movies where Chris Pine is Captain Kirk. You're looking at me like you haven't seen those movies. Have well, that you? sounds really familiar. <laughs> so Chris Pine is Captain Kirk. Spock is played mm-hmm. by... Um, um, oh, oh, yeah, no. the guy. What's his name? That played the in from heroes there was zachary quinto zachary quinto he was so scary in that show yeah he was he was in sila he was he was so intimidating terrifying and i was like he can't be when he was spock i was like i'm so uncomfortable right now 
But you know what? I must say it has been since those movies came out since they've seen them. So we are well past them as well. Um, And because they're so totally separate, you don't need to worry about any of that at all. But this is the final official Star Trek movie of the original crew. Um, so you are seeing them at the very end of their journey. There is a kind of passing of the flame in Generations, which is the first TNG movie. But this is the last film with all of them as a crew. So you are like, you don't have any knowledge from like the series, the other movies. How are you feeling going into the deep end? It's like joining at Fast and Furious 8. So Justin... <laughs> Um, whom I've been married to for quite some time, is absolutely in love with the WWE. Mm -hmm. And every once in a while, there will be this big match. And he Mm. talks about it. He talks about how cool it is and how important it is for the storyline and all this stuff. And it gives me all this history. And then the show kicks off. And this very very geriatric man (laughs) comes out. (laughs) And they have like this diaper fight back and forth yeah very slow uncomfortable to watch geriatric event Uh i'm concerned that this is the geriatric event of star trek it it is possible but it isn't like that's (laughs) that would probably be star trek i can't look at this impartially i love this film too much (laughs) i am not gonna give you a ton of backstory and a ton of shit because it's just it's really this is a standalone mystery movie like in a standalone adventure i don't need to have anything leading up to it or anything on the other side of it i can just watch it absolutely the only thing you need to know is that kirk hates the klingons hates them because in one of the previous movies spoiler a rogue klingon kills his son jesus yes so and he is now understandably has a pretty harsh grudge against the klingons who are currently there's a cold war between the Federation and the Klingons. So we're not at war, but we are not friends. So it's not on Vulcan because it's cold. Got it. Got it. Exactly. Yep. Good reference. I'm ready. Nice. Um, and that's pretty much all you need to know. Um, I'm really excited for you to start watching these movies because you're going to get more references. <laughs> you're going to get more backstory. Um, but this film does a great job of telling you everything. Like a, You could just walk into this film as as somebody who hasn't watched Star Trek and enjoy it, because this movie was here to save Star Trek, because in 19... I think it was 1989, Star Trek V came out, and it's the worst Star Trek movie ever made. There are there are things to like, but it's it's not good. That's the one we've got. And season two of The Next Generation was on TV, and that's one of the worst seasons of Star Trek Oof. ever, because there was a Oof. huge writer's strike, Star Trek nearly didn't survive into the 90s. Um, and Nicholas Meyer, who wrote um, uh, The Wrath of Khan, was brought back to write the ship, give us one final big movie and make it good. So him and Leonard Nimoy Spock um, put this movie together. Um, and my goodness, does it show. <sighs> well, Anything else before we go in? You know, I really don't like, I, I don't feel like I have been properly lubed, but at you the same time. I, I'll keep going. I'll give you 60 years of history. Okay, here we go. (laughs) (laughs) It'd be really funny if you actually did, like in real life, you just Uh started talking about it. And then for the podcast, we just made your voice speed up like a chipmunk and you just like zipped all the way through it all. So it all started in 23. 
Any final questions, Ambassador? When are we going to go to a Star Trek convention? Um, the 56th anniversary, uh, 56 year mission um, convention is in Vegas in August. I'll see you there. Okay. I think it's in August. Cool. With that, we will see you in 10 forward for a full debrief of Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. Welcome to 10 Forward, the part of the show where we... Oh, ambas- Ambassador, there's somebody, somebody at our seat. I'll go kick him out. Let me, let me go boot. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, sir. You are in yes. the captain's seat. <clears throat> oh, I'm, I thought I could sit wherever I wanted. Nope. I, it's, I, it's, are, you, are you the Jeremy Scott? <laughs> I, I, that's me. I'm a fleet commander. <laughs> what, what is that, the fleet commander? I'm so sorry. I wasn't aware that you were doing a surprise. Was it, why are you well, drinking that? You, know, you don't announce an inspection. You just show up. Otherwise, oh, they have time no. to get ready. Okay, but does fleet commander outrank ambassador? Um, I don't know. It's weird. It's so the weird. answer is no. That's great. Just wanted to make sure that I understand the pecking order of the show today. That's all. Hi, all we Jeremy. Know is I'm bottom. Tom Cruise in Maverick. I refuse to get promoted. <laughs> I've just been at the same rank oh. for 30 years. You're just a <laughs> test pilot the entire time. That's a pretty that's pretty cool. You're with the Excelsior, just in space stock, never going anywhere. <laughs> and then me. Sulu steals it from you. Like, what? <laughs> Son of a bitch, why are you getting to fly the ship? Hi, Jeremy. Welcome to Captain's Pod. Hi, thanks for having me. So, for anyone who's listening to Captain's Pod that doesn't know who Jeremy is, who are you? What are you doing here? Why do you love Star Trek? <laughs> don't wait for the translation. Answer me now. Oh, don't, don't wait for the translation. I, uh, well, I uh, run with uh, my business partner a little operation called CinemaSoons that uh, has ballooned into this weird seven-employee joke-making enterprise where we get to do this kind of crap. And sit around and talk about what we love, like Star Trek. I love Star Trek because my mom loved Star Trek. My mom loved the original series. Um, and as the movies came out, of course, we didn't go to the movie theater when I was growing up, but we would watch the movies as the you know films came out. And then when Next Generation came on, she put me right down in front of the TV and said, mm-hmm. this is going to be good. Um, and yeah, it's one of the handful of pieces of entertainment that my mom just basically directly injected into my veins that's so amazing that's i have so been a cool. trek fan since i was six years old it's amazing how much it's almost like being like indoctrinated into a cult like my dad yes. was so like backdoor about it he was just like you're just going to be watching this this will be <laughs> what you spend many many hours watching so just settle in <laughs> and tattooing your body about yes yes speaking it's of the cool enterprise tattoo, also <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. I'm trying to work out the next one. The problem is, like, the, the, the saucer section on the Enterprise D is too unwieldy to be put onto my tiny little bicep. Like, I need I to mean, get some bigger arms. I don't know how you went anywhere without first getting that insignia right on your chest. Right, tattoo. where it's, I mean, it just kind of feels like getting the <laughs> Superman symbol there. I don't know. It I don't know, man. I'd just be off. constantly looking at myself in the mirror, tapping it, going... <laughs> Regard to engineering. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do that anyway. I guess it would be nice to have like some function behind it. 
I do that anyway. Why is why are you constantly bruised just above your left nipple? It's just I tap it a lot. That's all. <laughs> I was thinking about so what was the name of the ship that appears in this one that uh, uh, Sulu is it right? Mm. I'm not well, the Excelsior. What? Okay, Excelsior. That is a yeah. beefy ship. Like that's mm. one that goes on the ass cheek. So just oh, so you yeah. know, that's a I bubble butt your... one. Your note for that, yeah, that was it. Danae, my very first note was Danae called the Excelsior a bubble butt. And I'm like, I, don't, I don't know how it, I feel about that. It's just that. like this big, it's juicy butt. It's that's like a thick ass. It was a thick ass. <laughs> I like my ships thick. And manned by George Takei. <laughs> I really loved it. That was a really pretty ship. It's gorgeous. It is. But the, the thing is, in space, there's no. You don't have to worry about wind resistance, right? No. So no. you could have a ship that's just a giant square, like the board. Literally. And uh-huh. It could be as fast as any sleek designed or any thick ass ship that you see. It is strange. And it's, I mean, we're going to get straight into sending Star Trek in general awesome. But how many like alien ships have exactly the same format? It's yeah. basically like two nacelles, a yeah. main body, and some kind of front bit. I was like, are you is somebody designing the same ships for everybody? That's why I loved uh, Nero's ship in Abrams' mm. 2009 Star Trek because it looked like this inverted porcupine thing. It Daggers looked like nothing I'd out. ever seen. Mm. All those tendrils coming out. Are yeah. you watching Strange New Worlds, Jeremy? Uh, not quite yet, but it's it's one of those that I'm waiting for it to finish so I can binge. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. There's a couple. Mm-hmm. I think there's a, been a couple of ships that are like mm. interestingly shaped where it's like, yeah. okay, that's not expected. Um, but this one was, it just had, it was like, that's carrying a lot of people or something. Cause it's just <laughs> it's, it's carrying a lot of juice. <laughs> it's carrying all those gaseous anomaly. Equipment oh things. my goodness. <laughs> it's so dumb. I mean, it's a brilliantly written film, but there are some dumb things. Right. That's before, an, oh, before yes. we, no, no, no. I have to do <laughs> no, two no, more no. things. I have to do two more things. Okay. One okay. is, because we rarely have Jeremy time. I have mm-hmm. to show Jeremy your ship that you made. Here it comes. Oh. No, don't do it. <laughs> Just like every other ship, it's got two nacelles <laughs> and then a core and then like a front bridgey thing. <laughs> but it's That's got like beautiful. some like janky. It started off as the Enterprise D, but then the saucer section was too heavy. I mean, and then... for people not able to see this, Danae, you could have told me your daughter made that. I know. And I would have believed you. Okay, can I tell you the worst part? <laughs> The worst part of this is that the clay that we were playing with, which is a polymer clay, so you form it and then you bake it and it makes it into ah, like a hard substance mm-hmm. and then we were going to paint them. This is actually flesh toned underneath this gray. It's just this flesh <laughs> It looked really, it looked just, just like a leg. So I just like formed so into bad. an entity. The other <clears throat> thing is um, I wanted to show you natural pyrite. Mm. The, have you ever seen pyrite like this? I think I've seen something like this. What what are we doing? So we here? went what? to the Smithsonian together okay. and, and and we went to the like the section that they uh the minerals wing of the Smithsonian yeah. and we were just like Look at the Borg cubes! <laughs> oh, I <laughs> see. Polished we... chrome <laughs> crashed Borg cubes. I mean, literally everything was Dungeons and Dragons related. It was mm-hmm. a spell that was cast in the ground that exploded some shit. Or mm-hmm, mm-hmm. were like Borg cube. So when we got to the gift shop, we spent probably 30 minutes taking every single pyrite down and calculating which one was the most accurate. <laughs> <laughs> they were like kids that were trying to get in. I was like, fuck you, oh, kids. Like, this, 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 is this is serious. You don't just pick one of these at random. 
Oh man. Yeah. So, we should reassess our lives. It's amazing. No. no, we don't. Nerds. Nerds. This is theology cast, in case you were here for something yes. else. Okay, sorry, um, I had to geek out like that first. So we are actually here rather randomly to talk about the undiscovered country, Star Trek VI. <laughs> now, I, my logic, and I think I described, um, explained this in the intro, my logic is we can't do two, three, four, because that's a trilogy. And we need mm. to, I can't just dive in with Star Trek Four. Danae needs to see that Search for Spock trilogy all as one thing. Star Trek yes. Five. Anyway, Star Trek Six yes. is just the next logical place to start because the motion picture they haven't finished filming it yet, so mm. we can't actually yep. watch that. It's not a complete movie because it's so fucking long. Um, but it is beautiful. But Star Trek Six is an awesome place to jump in. Jeremy, what's your what's your man? Did, did you see the undiscovered country at the cinema? That must have been awesome. I did, and it was awesome. That's the first Trek movie I saw in the theaters because oh, that's, that's the awesome. first Trek movie that. I was old enough to do so without parental units even knowing about it. Mm. So it was an extra special experience for me, especially the way this film opens with that score. The score for this movie is incredible. Uh, And it just swells and swells and swells. And then, boom, there's this big explosion and you're you're blown out of your mind. Uh, Yeah, this is my very favorite Star Trek film overall. Uh, It competes heavily with J.J. Abrams' 2009 Star Trek. Mm -hmm. Uh, and Wrath of Khan from 19... This is the one I come back to the most. Mm. So you, you you really lucked out in having me on for this particular <laughs> That worked out really well. And we will, we will never, ever reveal why we just so happen to be talking nope. about this nope. specific Star Trek. You'll never figure... Never, ever know. So based on like the, the primer that I gave you before we went in today, what were you expecting... And just really briefly, like, how did it line up with just overall thoughts? What you what you ended up with? Okay, this exceeded it exceeded my expectations. I will say yeah? that. Yeah. Yay. Well, I have no. I, I never watched the original series ever. So uh, the only thing that I have are the little clips of like Tribbles or mm-hmm. the Gorn fight that you showed me. Uh, <laughs> I just asked Danae to Google the Gorn, and wow. she just said it was like thirty seconds of laughter. I was like, "This I wasn't on TV." I could not believe what I was seeing. Like, so it was wild back then. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, and the other thing you know is, yes, I fucking know that song. God damn it, stop! Shit! Get up, dude! I don't think he's kidding. Nope. So this was, um, it was. Exactly what I thought it was going to be, and more. Um, Amazing. I, I have an unexpected craving to own a ripaway bib shirt now because Ooh. there's a, several oh moments in this that, like, <laughs> yeah. they really interact with their gear, which I yeah. love seeing. Like, if, if McCoy, like every other scene, is just like fuck this, just rips <laughs> it off, and I can just see like the prop department being like, stop it. No, <laughs> I, I love it. The, the sound really of like a little. Like all of the little things popping, I loved that so much. I still don't know why. Like why? What? I, it's probably my favorite uniform, but I don't know why they do the casual. I don't know what that it's thing just, is. It's, other it's, than to if show you need, blood. if your chest needs to breathe, man. If you, if your, yeah. your torso is a little warm, mm-hmm. you just. Mm-hmm. I love that they're still using like essentially Velcro in the twenty yeah, third century. Or what have you. I thought it sounded very snap. Like I don't know, but I was fascinated by it, and I also was like. What is the function of it? It doesn't mm-hmm. denote like casualness. So if it's up, then it's like 
business, but then when it's it like comes down, your it's top. Cat- yeah, yes. yeah. Does it have a s- slit in it to where you can like slide in ice packs if you're kind of hot? Oh, that's amazing. McCoy's is like hiding a hip flask or something. It's definitely of course, of course. Um, I uh, I'm gonna derail your podcast for a second, yeah. um, because I can. Uh, I went to <laughs> this place, Dutch Brothers Coffee, the other day. It's kind of new in my area. I don't know if you have it where you're, it's basically Starbucks, but they have other stuff. Anyway, mm-hmm. I went through the drive-through, and it looked like it was gonna rain. And the girl, the, the drive-through, they have girls, girls and guys standing out there with little iPads, and they take your order. And then when you pull up to the window, you've already paid, and they just hand you a drink. And I said to the girl, mm. "What do you do if it rains?" And she says, "Get wet." <laughs> I said, "What do you do when it's a hundred degrees?" And she said, "Oh, they make us wear an ice hug." Um, he's uh, got what? one on, and she points over to this other dude out there taking orders, and he's got this little square-looking vest that goes over his shoulders with straps, and I guess there's ice blocks in the That's front amazing. and back to keep the children from heat stroke <laughs> That's amazing. when they're out working. Uh, and I've never heard of that before. So maybe the Starfleet uniform is, is a slot for ice. Yeah. It's an ice hug uniform. It's an ice hug. It must be. I imagine that's a really quick way to get a cold because like that <laughs> that massive like change in temperature, you're going to get warm again pretty quick. It just, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. Maybe warm. the material is made of something that doesn't let it get it too be. cold. I don't know. I've never Did heard it of it have an like ice a hug. little string in the back you pull and it kind of turns on like an engine, like vroom, 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 and then no, they just pull like, the string, all the ice cubes fall out. <laughs> it just falls yeah. out. <laughs> My name's Woody. No, wrong string. I one of the things <laughs> I love the most about this, like watching this, is that because I know these figureheads of like mm. of Star Trek, but I haven't watched a lot, I was seeing how they interact for the first time, but also seemingly at their like at the peak of it all right before they kind of pass everything off so it seemed like one week from retirement they were all like with knowing that this was essentially the last hurrah and they were really getting into their characters and really Mm. amping things up and so they were playing into those roles whereas like if i was to watch the series you know maybe there's like a a downswing in energy on a couple of episodes because they've got 700 more that are coming out and it, or the entirety it, of season 3 <laughs> <laughs> that last series of TOS is, is rough the stakes were different because it's a movie obviously but then also you could just feel the important that there was an importance to it so mm. that was really fun for me too i felt like it was a really smart introduction to these characters and yeah it, i i likened it uh jeremy to when I watch WWE wrestling and like The Undertaker comes back and it's just like a geriatric experience where we're entertained but we're also worried about their age. It didn't feel like that. It didn't feel like that <laughs> at all. It kind of like they were all having fun. There was like the fight with Shatner, you know, where it's just really all tells and stuff, but I'm having mm. a really good time watching it. I also love that I'm realizing the more that I watch Star Trek with you that they do a really fun thing where sometimes it's a mystery and sometimes mm. it's a romance and sometimes it's a, you know, this, uh, it's an adventure. They kind of have these n- normal storytelling, you know, things that they do, but it's in space. And I didn't realize how much I like, like I liked mm-hmm. that. I don't think I realized when I was watching TNG that it was sort of doing those things. And, uh, but this one was like uh, a courtroom drama mixed with mystery mixed with murder and i just didn't expect that at yeah, all yeah it's so. like a it's like a conspiracy murder thriller yeah I, i've heard people more eloquently go through the entire trek movie line and say you know this first movie is a philosophical think piece the second movie is a submarine uh 
uh, thriller. The third movie is this. And this movie always ends up being called like a murder investigation or a murder mystery. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, it really is. What if you take these characters we know in this situation we know, um, and this time the wrinkle is murder mystery, and it just works so well, especially having Spock sort of playing your stand-in oh. for Sherlock Holmes, kind of oh. leading the investigation. Yeah. Um, it just lines up perfectly. Not so much for Uhura and Chekhov, but <laughs> we'll get to that later. Oh, we'll absolutely be getting to that. That's one of the few times I paused the movie was to... Uhura, yeah? That's, she's, not, she's, she's been done dirty in this film. It's also <laughs> a strangely timed moment because uh, in Strange New Worlds, and this isn't too much of a spoiler, mm. I don't think, for you, Jeremy... There is an interesting correlation where Spock is at the helm in both the episode we just watched of Strange New Worlds and in this one. So it was an interesting sort of like where somebody has to take over the lead in an unexpected Mm. sort of way. Um, I really liked. Yeah, I really had a good time. I didn't expect to have as good of a time. I was a little worried because I know this Mm -hmm. is a big deal. This one's a big deal. Yeah, Yeah. right. I'm glad she enjoyed it. I loved it. Me too. Oh, my gosh. Did I love it? I mean, I have questions, but I loved it. I have lots of questions. <laughs> oh, oh, we'll get into the questions. Uh, it's one of the beauties of Star Trek as a genre is it can go anywhere. It can be a disaster thing like the Titanic. It can be murder mystery like Poirot and Sherlock Holmes. And as long as you've got characters that you enjoy being with for all of Shatner's flaws and whatnot, this crew is so much fun. Even in Star Trek V, they're still fun to hang out with. But mm-hmm. in this one, the the pairing is so great. Like, I love... I love that Spock is in charge. I love that McCoy and Shatner just accidentally themselves into a trial. Like, <laughs> they go from being on the ship, like, accidentally, or something's fired on the bird of prey. They volunteer to go over. They're arrested. They go on trial. And before they know it, they're on this, like, ice planet. And they're like, the fuck did we get here? Like, we're still and in the same that, uniform. That whole time, they never once changed clothes. No! <clears throat> which I only just noticed on this watch. They beam back. They take off the big fuzzy jackets. I was like, wait, you're still in uniform? <laughs> it should be like the end one? of The Martian where they're like, you stink, man. <laughs> <Yes>. Like, <laughs> like really gross. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, the first thing I always notice when I kick off this movie, and eventually we'll leave the first five minutes, but not right now, is how muted it is compared to star trek 5 so the star trek 5 opening is this huge thing like the the opening titles are transported in with the big transporter effect noise and this is just like this really muted dramatic score with a really subdued title and then yeah bam the explosion and then like you're on the bridge with sulu and it's like oh shit and it kind of just doesn't stop it just keeps on going it's Mm. so well paced Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I love I love the reveal there that mm. Sulu is a captain. There's not this. I think a lesser movie would have a scene before this where somebody's like, "Hey, he's captain now," and then they uh-huh. cut to it. Like, but it's just we know these characters. It, this makes perfect sense when you see Sulu at the helm or at the uh, in the captain's chair. You're like, "Oh yeah, that's a logical progression of where he would be in his Starfleet career." Mm. And of course. They finally took Excelsior out of space dock. <clears throat> finally. And it's only this time that I've noticed. It's not, and I'm such a nerd, it's not the NX2000 anymore. It's the NCC2000. Oh. Because it's finally not an experimental ship. It is actually, so <laughs> for six, five movies, this thing <laughs> has been, and I think it covers like 12 years. I was like, it's been an experimental ship for 12 years? Like, That's how a- badly did Scotty fuck it up? It's like that plane they've been trying to build for the US Navy for the last 15 years. It's the same just, thing. Yeah, it just 
It took it's, too long to experiment phase. Well, I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, right, Danae, you had questions. I think oh that's a good place to dive okay. in. Okay, the, the, the most predominant, like the one that's just always at the top of my mind is can you tell me more about these ice dogs and how... <laughs> With the one single tooth? No, it was like, there was several. So, mm-hmm. uh, like, do you ever go behind the scenes and so like the making of stuff? Because I desperately wanted to figure out the mouth headpiece that they had to strap mm. on to and like what kind of a breed dog was under that mask i know yeah. this is a really really specific question to start off with <laughs> i have more that are more related to the actual like show and shit i was ready but... for some like treaties to talk about or like some engineering <laughs> stuff and you're just like that, that toothy dog, that dog what is get that mask on that dog that dog is so cute <laughs> like all i could think of was like oh it's so cute oh god those are big teeth but oh look at the cute puppy <laughs> yeah i just I wanted don't, to know more never... about it I've never done that research, but I'm positive I it was really on a real know. dog. Okay, well, I'm sure oh, yeah, it was a real 100%. dog. The dog was real, and then they just strapped a mask to the, to the face. It was really cleverly done too. I'm always a, I, I always really, um, I think the word is just respect the the way that things are shot, like the way mm-hmm. that directors know. Okay, we're gonna have uh, this clear shot of this dog's face we don't want it to last long enough that they see the straps of the mask <laughs> right uh-huh. quick shot so, quick shot and i was like i was on it every time that dog was i was like almost just looking so <laughs> carefully because i was super into that dog <laughs> where's the duct tape holding it on mm. well, jeremy do you do you know do you know no no oh, okay. what? I, I mean know. you look like you i mean know. I, I will admit that my most recent viewing of this movie that was just for random reasons and not mm-hmm. for anything mm-hmm. in particular wasn't um, detailed at all. i did no. notice the dog masks and i did wonder for a second my thought was more what is the breed of dog that has the temperament to mm. accept that mask for however oh, long yeah. i'm sure it was pretty brief mm-hmm. but still not every dog I would even let you too. put something like that on their face like a nope. newfoundland or something it was a, and there was a big dog as well it was it was a big dog and now these days they just cgi that crap and it would look yeah. awful it would mm-hmm. that's what i'm saying like it looked really interesting to but me back then they didn't have that capability so they oh, had right. to be inventive enough to make it themselves it's a really great practical effect but i have no idea how they did it's actually on a big cat <laughs> I, <want laughs> I want someone to 3d print like different sizes so that i could put it on my dogs for halloween because how cool would that be oh, man. right like go, go full amazing. on starfleet that's awesome but then you have to dress up like like the dude from Rapente. like you have to dress up like the prison boss i'll i'll dress up like her and I'll have an outfit change halfway through and come out like as mm-hmm. a hairy beast. And then, then everyone can be appalled, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, no. And then, hey, and did then, you know oh. that you kissed that last night? Oh, don't <laughs> remind then, me. Don't remind me. <laughs> and then for the third act change, I'll send Iris out and really freak everyone out. <laughs> yes, to send out little girls. How'd you do that? <laughs> She'll be But the voice as... <laughs> doesn't change. Anyway, that's, that's for later. Yeah. That's a sin. That's <laughs> later on. <laughs> Okay, okay, okay. Here's a real question. There was something that was mentioned. What is mothballing of Starfleet? That would be retiring the military aspect, retiring the spaceship, dismantling Mm -hmm. their Oh, because mothballs are put into the clothing when you store it away. So it's like... Yes, Mm -hmm. that is not a trick. In fact, I'm surprised that is, mothballing is even a reference that they even yes. still use in that era. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. 
but so that's what it means. That happens <clears throat> so much in this one. There are so many references to things that I'm like, you're still talking about that? Like, <laughs> but things got to have a tailpipe. What? You guys are still using gas? Wait, what the hell? The tailpipe. Why? <laughs> yeah, okay. That makes sense because in my head, mm-hmm. when I heard it, I was like, mothballing. That must be like a really cool like move, like slingshotting around the sun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, and it doesn't really make a lot of sense because like the Klingons aren't the only enemy. Like you wouldn't mothball all of Starfleet just right. because the neutral zone doesn't exist anymore. Like you still need it for other things. So it was one of those, we need to present two extreme sides of an argument here to show how racist Kirk has now become and how pissed Oof. off he is, <laughs> man. But one of my favorite, like, like Shatner always baffles me with his performances. Cause sometimes I'm right there with him and I'm like, fuck yeah, man, get it. But then I think it is down to the directions so, so much because there's some movies where he's just unwatchable. But when he's having that debate with Spock um, after he's just outraged that Spock has volunteered him for this peace mission and Spock's just like, they're going to die, Jim. He's like, let them die. (laughs) And that's like, that's not what you see from your Starfleet captains very often. And I kind of like it. I I like the performance. I don't like the writing no. that gets him there. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think you're right. This is one of his better performances. And I think uh, this and Ratha Khan are his two best. And I don't think it's a coincidence that mm-hmm. it's the same director, yeah. um, Nicholas Meyer, and and that in between films, he was largely being directed by either himself or Nimoy. Both people he doesn't get on with. But, yeah, but not yet. <laughs> he, does, he doesn't get on with either of those people. <laughs> So, yeah, I think Nicholas Meyer has a lot to do with kind of mm-hmm. pulling those performances out. I think Spock, I think Nimoy gives uh, one of his better performances in all the films in this film. Uh, again, I don't like the writing that props up this new Vulcan chick to be his protege mm. out of nowhere. Yeah. But I love what uh, that gives Nimoy a chance to do with the character throughout the arc of this film. I, I really enjoy his It must be really interesting for you, Danae, with Spock, because you're seeing in Strange New uh, Worlds a very I'm, new I have a Spock, Spock crush, Jeremy. Oh, Ethan Peck, is a, he's a great Spock on Strange Holy New shit. Worlds. Holy awesome. shit. voice it. His voice is like 10 octaves lower than a human can usually go. It is so, so like commanding. Um, interesting. No, yeah, it is. It is, to see, it is interesting to see him... Like a, towards a different level of progression. Like I, I mm. remember, I remember seeing him in something that I watched. Maybe it was a movie where he had died or something. I don't remember. I don't really remember. I need to, I need to watch them all again. So I know mm-hmm. I've seen uh, Nimoy in other things as Spock, but I don't mm-hmm. recall the storyline except for I'm pretty sure he was dead, or they had to go find him, or maybe he was That's dead in one timeline and then he came back in another timeline or something. Well, see now. <laughs> I I was gonna ask if you've seen any Kirk Spock cruise stuff, whether it's J.J. Abrams or original series or the oh, movies oh. with Shatner. I I saw the one. So here's what I remember. God damn it! Here's what I remember that I've seen. <laughs> oh no! There was a really really pretty ship with lots and lots of like light blurs on the screen, and it was yeah, that'll be that's what I Abrams. saw. That's the 2009 one, and 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 Nimoy is in that, okay, okay. even though there's a different Spock in that. Oh movie. no, you're right. He's in yeah. a different timeline. Yeah, he's yeah. been put. Nero was ch- uh, ne- ne- yeah, ne- Nemo? Ne- Nemo? Nero. Nero. Nero was chasing. Not Nemo. Nemo. That's completely different. Um, <laughs> although they were trying to find Spock, so like, 
you think you can do these things um yeah no he's definitely in the wrong <gasps> timeline at that point and in the past yep. yeah, yeah okay. so that was that was weird for me because there was a lot of context i was missing my the, goodness yeah, how the strange only, <laughs> the only thing that i knew was this is a big deal and i honor that by watching it and being like yeah uh-huh oh cool. man the entire just to derail the, the podcast again i we saw i got to see an early screening of that with maybe 30 people and these were this is the only time i've seen a standing ovation in a theater for wow. a movie like we got to the end and everybody like basically saluted at the end of the film <laughs> like that was an intense experience and when spock turned up it was just a collective <gasps> and i was like yeah yeah. Okay, that's yeah, pretty so, cool. So in Strange New Worlds, you know, Spock is like really young and mm. finding his like he hasn't he has a history with Kirk already when Strange New Worlds starts. So you know that they know each other and you know that they're friends and you know that they've worked together. But then there's Pike. still this development. Yeah, oh sorry, Pike. There's still this development with Pike that I'm watching, you know, happen. And so uh, fast forward to him in Star Trek Six, where he has all this history and all the stuff he's experienced, and and it is mm. very interesting to see like how he emulates emotion and things like the this, the moment when he did the mind meld and mm. tried to extract information that was so fucking intense. I was like, oh shit, he's crossing boundaries in front oh, of 100%. people. Like everyone's yep. like, oh shit, like oh fuck, this is a, this is awesome what i love about that moment i'm sorry i'm gonna geek out for a second what i love about that moment is nimoy plays it perfectly you can tell that he is troubled by what he's doing he knows that this is not a hundred percent kosher but he has to do it of course he doesn't because as soon as they're done he says just call sulu he'll know where but i love the anguish <laughs> that he has in his face while he's doing it again i think nimoy is one of the best performances in this oh <clears throat> it's so intense yeah and there's like this love i have for these characters that's growing but it's it's start it's weird because i feel like you guys had almost a better experience because you've watched stuff grow and mm. i'm like hopping around inside of these things and it's very disjointed and disconnected mm. in a way but at the same time i can conceptualize that this is a big deal or whatever um specifically it also gives you a perspective we can't have because mm. we have all this history with these That's characters true. it gives you a fresh look uh which i appreciate the other thing that was really hard to kind of grasp in that relationship with spock and the crew that is kind of confusing for me is the kirk stuff with his son so we start off and i'm missing a whole bunch mm -hmm. of context i, I know mm -hmm. but it's just like why the fuck would these people make kirk <laughs> extend hey, the olive for branch? engineering you know that just and, and i understand that it's like it's a really big thing for the audience to eat because you guys know and it's like what the mm -hmm. hell and it gives you something to kind of think about as you Not watch really. it maybe? i don't so, know i don't know what, what i was what i was gonna um what i was gonna say was that i wouldn't worry too too much because 99.9 percent .9 of the development happens in like three movies I, uh, and like not even the one preceding this like the original series it's extremely episodic there's Kirk and McCoy have like the closest relationship, I think. But it's really the Wrath of Khan search for Spock, the Voyage Home, and this movie where you see the crew gel together. So most of what we feel about the original series, I think, comes from these movies anyway. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree. Overall, um, like the um, for me, the big like kind of moments that sort of stood out um, that I really really enjoyed were all the interactivity with the crew, and it was just a mm-hmm. lot of a lot of fun. You guys talk about like the things that stand out um, for you that are different from me. Like, what was one of the mm-hmm. big moments for you guys? Because everything is different for me. So, what's like mm-hmm. a big standout? I'm kind of curious. You first, Jeremy. Oh well, the biggest moment in all of these films is when Sulu shows up. And that final that final battle where he shows up and says, "Let's give him something else to shoot at," to the point where they create the the heat seeking <laughs> torpedo to where Sulu says, "Target that explosion and fire." And it just gives me chills because it mm-hmm. it feels I don't know I don't know what it is. It's not just the Enterprise and and Kirk anymore. It's you know Sulu, but it's not just that it's Sulu. It's like the crew has sort of created their own... I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It just feels absolutely perfect. I think it really is that Sulu has grown and he's actually... The crew are actually given things to Like, everybody on that bridge is a captain, an admiral, or a commander. Like, Chekhov is a commander. Like, he should not be manning the helm. Like, yes. Hura <laughs> is a commander as well. Scotty is a commander. Spock is a captain. Um, And, you know, it's awesome to see... It's that loyalty where Sulu throughout the film is like, I've, yep, sorry, Starfleet, haven't got a clue where the Enterprise is. It's like, yeah. Christian Slater, are you hard of hearing? Go <laughs> and tell them that we don't know that where the fun. ship is. That um, was fun. And he just, he's like, I am, commi- I trust Captain Kirk. I trust this crew. I'm going to swoop in and I'm going to be there for them. And yeah, yeah that was that, pretty cool. That direction from, from Maya at the end is so, so great. Even the overdramatic. Okay, Kirk, you're going to take one step forward. You're going to fist it and fire. And it's yeah. just sugar. Fire! Like, when it's that happened, so, I got so, so excited. And I was, there was a couple moments, like, we had to stop because uh, I had questions. Um, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. And, but that was when we stopped. We were like, fire! Like, we were really yeah. like, getting into well, even it. Even before he gets there, they're like, the ship's got to fly apart. And Sulu's like, fly apart! Oh, fire apart. <laughs> it's so great. He is determined. I'm going to go help my buddies. God, yeah. I love it. Damn it, fly apart. It's just so, so good. Oh, what tingly, about you, Ian? What was one of the big standout things for you in this one, just mm. as, as a long-term, long-time Trekkie person? For me, in theory, I should be really annoyed at this movie for having the Klingons be the bad guys again. Because the original series has done that to death just in these movies. But Chang is so freaking good. Christopher yep. Palmer is incredible. You can laugh that they base like his entire persona off of Shakespeare, but I think it's yeah. great because you have something to latch onto. It's it, he has so much character from that, and he's obviously a well-read individual. He's latched onto this obscure Klingon author that we've never heard of, but all of his quotes sound oddly familiar. Um, and it's just, it's so much fun just to hear him randomly quoting Shakespeare in these dramatic moments. Like, the ship has been, like, blown on its ass. There's no gravity. And he's still quoting Shakespeare and Kirk. <laughs> like, have you no decency, man? It's brilliant. So I have a question about all of that. And this is mm. something, and I was, I was like, something is lost on me here. So when they come over, the, the Klingons beam over, they have a very awkward coming to dinner. Yes, who's coming to uh, dinner? Uh, and and then they leave and, you know, there, it's mentioned like, well, that didn't go well. Um, and I was like, well, uh, no, it didn't. But is the reason that it didn't go well because the Klingons were far more understanding of the human culture and race uh-huh. that they were quoting Shakespeare and meaning where they were. And here these humans have 
no understanding. They're not talking about anything to do with Klingon culture. No. They're not trying to reach across the entire all of the dialogue is geared towards the audience that's watching mm-hmm. this movie who understands these references. Man, I think this movie is a casual indictment of racism, man. Like, yeah. I think the Enterprise crew is just racist in that entire dinner, just in a, in a very shamefully casual way. They, even after mm. they're gone, they're like, oh, do you? They smell. Oh. Not bad. They oh, smell. That table oh, that table oh. And I think that's the point of the scene to show you yeah. that the Klingons are oddly less racist than the yes. Federation people. I wrote down so many times, like, they're so polite and cordial. And mm. I, I don't remember. I watched TNG. And for me, mm-hmm. the Klingons always had more headgear going on. They had more prosthetics. <laughs> so these yes, are like definitely. super, super human looking Klingons. And I just, I was uh-huh. really distracted by that. I was like, where, where are my Klingons? Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> these aren't my Klingons. These ones came first. What is it? What's happening right now? Where's all their like head swoops? Just wait till you see the Into Darkness Klingons. Then oh you're my goodness. Blown. You haven't seen the Discovery Klingons as well, man. No. That's, that's a whole other thing. So, yeah. so I, I. I think by the end, I realized that the reason they sounded so well-spoken and cordial was because of the universal translators, which I was missing. So I feel like the movie is saying that the universal, they weren't speaking English. They were speaking Klingon, but then we were mm-hmm. hearing it in like translated. So that kind of helped me calm down a little bit because mm-hmm. I was like, they are super, super cordial. They're so polite. They're all of these things that you're supposed to be. They're they're way more appealing to sit down with than any of mm-hmm. the Starfleet at this table, which is exactly the point you're making, Jeremy. So when when they're like that didn't go well, I was like, yeah, because you guys fucked that up. You fucked up. You compared him to Hitler. (laughs) Are you? That's exactly right. Are you saying? I'm not sure they were using a universal translator all that time. You don't think? I I mean, it's impossible to know because the lips always match what their English is saying. Um, Chang clearly knows English. Yeah. I don't. I think they are speaking English. I don't think that's the translator. There isn't. Then that in makes universe, it even worse. <laughs> well, well is, that's what I'm saying. They have learned our language. We haven't bothered to learn no, anything about them. Yeah, you can't even put a sentence together. Uhura, communications officer. Um, <laughs> never mind. We'll get to that in this instance. Um, Which we probably You are a Federation communications officer for thirty years, and you don't learn Klingon. You are the worst communications officer ever it's like not learning german in the 30s like how i just just, it's insane well i mean um, so i it's one of my favorite points of this film is that starfleet are the bad guys like starfleet have fired a small cabal from starfleet has come up with this assassination with the klingons the entire crew admits that we're we're old and the the chancellor gorkin is is like look if this piece is gonna happen People like me and you, Kirk, our generation are going to have to fuck off and die. And I'm like, hmm, isn't that oddly prescient? Like, it's it, we are dealing with exactly the same thing that we that we were in 1991. And I love that the the crew kind of they kind of they acknowledge it, but also they still do it. Like Ahura cuts herself off mid sentence because he's basically slurping some like alien spaghetti, and I was like. Man, you could catch me with a mouthful of food. It doesn't make me like an evil yeah. person. Like, yeah. don't ask me questions when I'm eating. Of her. <laughs> like, shut up. I just, I wonder how much of that scene is really geared, like, purposefully, or if I they realize if they realized the statement that they were making. Because I, I just wondered, like, did I miss something that didn't go well? That wasn't like, does the audience understand that what didn't go well is that they were so unprepared to have a highly intellectual conversation with a species 
because mm. that's what went wrong. And I don't even know that the crew actually, when they said, well, that didn't go well, they obviously are missing something. So for that to be part of the undertone of this movie to get mm. to the end and how they got to the end, I, I think I agree with you, Jeremy, what you said earlier about the writing doesn't really bring that to life, but I feel like the spirit of what they're doing is still there. Like they're, they went for something without maybe you, the dialogue to back it up. It has to have been intentional in that scene and all throughout because Kirk's entire arc is, they had to make him extra racist in the beginning because mm -hmm. his arc is at the end, he has realized, I do need to fuck off and die. It's not about me, it's about the next generation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and if he doesn't have that arc, if he doesn't start out hating the Klingons extra mean and whatnot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think like Ian was saying, Starfleet is the bad guy here. And I think they knew what they were doing when they made, um, I, 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 choose to believe they did if it otherwise it's just an accidental, accidental yeah. perfect poem mm. poem of i don't know it has to I'm, be on purpose i'm certain it's on purpose because just because of the year that it came out so it's being filmed and written in 1990 so the berlin wall is coming down our neutral zone in the real world is being dismantled mm -hmm. um the old people that built it are still going to hate the germans hate the russians and mm -hmm. they're going to need to move on and stuff. Like the neutral zone is an allegory for the Berlin Wall coming. It's, yeah. it's always been my interpretation of it anyway. Yeah. Um, and I just, I, the, the most deliberate line that I love so much is when Chekhov, bless him, says that they believe that all civilizations have the the right to like inalienable human rights. I was like, yeah. And he just gets called out on it so quick. It's like, are you fucking kidding? Inalienable human <laughs> rights. <laughs> this is a table of Vulcans and Klingons. Like, what are you doing? And it's so great. It's so deliberate because that's exactly what we, what humans do. We would go out into space and push our humanize human values, it, yeah. humanize everything. Uh -huh. It's like, no. Sometimes people like to fight. <laughs> <laughs> Um, is is he the one that says Kipton? Kipton. Yeah, I, it didn't I, I why didn't they just vaporize it? It's it's K-I-P-T-O-N. Kipton. Kipton. I, I wrote Kip that down. I was like, this is so cute. Kipton. Kipton. Oh man, whenever I cannot, and I'm such a bad person for this, but I cannot overtake in traffic without going incoming and like <laughs> overtaking somebody in traffic. Um, I do have a couple questions before we go on and finish up our our what we loved and then and then mm -hmm. get get to the sins of the of the show. But um did did you guys so when they were speaking Klingon, was there anything on the screen that told you what they were saying? Um because not... I didn't have that on mine. So that was really I always find that an interesting choice that it's not and I don't know if it was because of the one that I was watching, like maybe I didn't hit a button correctly and I had mm -hmm. stuff turned off. Yeah, the version that we watched didn't have subtitles and it would it in the movie? have done usually. Yeah. In the movie. Okay, okay. So yeah. I, yeah, would have I was going to say, I got text on screen for okay. all the Klingons. So I didn't. And that was a really interesting thing that actually happened when we were sending, uh, we sent the TV show. Mm, um, Discovery. The pilot of, Dis of Discovery. Yeah. Which just starts with like a Klingon speech. Well, and that happened to me Discovery as well, where it didn't have, uh, for some mm. reason, when I, the, the watcher that I was watching on, it, there was a mistake. So mm -hmm. I thought that it was a purposeful choice to put the audience into a position where we don't understand what's being said and it's the acting and what happens. Like you have to piece together with context clues. And I mm -hmm. love it when movies do that. And But as it progressed throughout the whole movie, I feel like I missed some stuff there on what the Klingons were talking about and going for. So I would probably need to watch that again. I just wondered if you guys had subtitles or not. I was going to bring that up because 
and I can't separate the fact that I've seen this movie 20 times from. So for me, I was like, oh, they did this really well. I know what's going on, even without the subtitles. I was like, wait, 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 wait. you know where this story goes, Ian. You might be cheating. But for me, the context clues were were, were kind of there. But it's so interesting to listen to these people speaking this made-up language and just Mm. giving it their all. And it's such a guttural language as well and so aggressive sounding. One of my... Uh, very favorite episodes of Frasier um, is he's he's going to go to his son's bar mitzvah. It's not bar mitzvah. It's uh, something where he has to read from the Torah. Maybe it is bar mitzvah. Uh, I'm, I'm showing my ass right now. Anyway, um, <laughs> Frasier goes to the guy that works at the station, Lowell, who's a big Star Trek nerd, but that's not important right now because Lowell knows uh, Hebrew. And he asks Lowell to teach him how to say a blessing in Hebrew. But before they finish with the lessons... But the, the trade-off is Frazier's supposed to go to this Star Trek convention and get an autograph for Lowell, but Frazier blows it off. So Lowell, without telling anybody, oh, teaches no. Frazier oh, how no. to do the blessing in Klingon. <laughs> oh, no! That's amazing! <laughs> and so it cuts to the... I'll have to find a clip of this and send it to you. It cuts to the bar mitzvah, and Frazier walks up to do the blessing, and it's like... <laughs> and he starts doing it in Klingon. It does the whole thing. God, oh, it's one of my favorite moments. Oh, that's so, amazing. Oh, that's so oh, good. I, I wanted to make sure you knew that that, that somebody exist. at some point made a whole language. That's a real language now that like, oh, people real language. Like, learn yeah. and is, speak to each other. It is the second like There's a few um, towns and villages somewhere, I think, in Denmark or Europe somewhere that have that as their second registered language. Like That's There are awesome. entire communities that speak it. It's, man, it's so, so great. I can't get past without just mentioning... Kirk revving the engine as he leaves space dock. You had to <laughs> explain like, this to me. I, because I couldn't let that, there's so many moments in this film, but that's one I couldn't let pass. But hey, Danae, do you know why that's so cool? Because he turns to <laughs> Valerius and he's just like, take us out um, at one half impulse. And she's just like, um, Captain, it is the, the procedure to only go at thrusters. And I'm like, this is like rev- revving the engine and then just wheel spinning out of space stock. This is I what go, he's I doing. Go, oh. oh. <laughs> but this is also the second female Vulcan pilot that has tried to correct him and had to be told, no, he's Kirk. You do oh, what he said. Because yes. they do that with Kirstie Alley in yes. Wrath of Khan. You go right on quoting regulations, he says to her afterwards. Yeah, Because he, she was right. She's like, hey, raise the yeah. shields. And he's like, nah, I'm not going to raise the shields. And then just kills Scotty's nephew because of that. <laughs> so like, screw you, Kirk. Keep quoting those regulations. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it's one of my favorite parts. And we've mentioned it in episodes previous. So uh, not trying to be too repetitive here, but it's one of my favorite parts of watching this material with a super nerd is learning these little things. It's like watching a pop-up video, but you know, where you kind of pause and you have like a quick chat about it or something like you'll mention something. Um, you'll set the stage for me a little bit. It's like the previously on Ian's version of previously on a little yes. bit. Like it's great. Like, I love why, it. Why is Ian spinning in his chair? Wait for it. Cry havoc. <laughs> yeah. It's it's like that. It's so great, <laughs> man. Just wait until you watch the Wrath of Khan with me. That's going to be on another level. Let's do um, it. Man. I'm ready, man. It's so so good, Jeremy. Anything positive, amazing you want to get off your chest before we move on? I do always appreciate when uh, Michael Dorn shows up um, mm. to play who I think I've been told is like an ancestor of Warps. So um, it's not Warp. 
no. Of course it's not Worf. That would make him 200 years old. I don't know how Klingons age. What the fuck? That's okay. a sin. That's so, a goddamn so, sin. I was so fucking not. excited about Worf. I was like, oh, 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 oh no. shit. My boy. <laughs> <laughs> what? You can't take oh, that away no. from me. That's I'm not sorry. Worf. That's not Worf. Yeah, fuck this movie. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He just, his voice is so recognizable and he is the worst legal counsel that has ever been born. He's oh, so he's bad. terrible. So he's bad. terrible. He like blurts out <laughs> all the wrong shit. How are they oh, walking without God. gravity? I thought um, this was his backstory. gravity. No, this isn't. I thought so, this is how he got into Starfleet. Yeah, he got kicked out of the Klingon Empire for being the shittiest lawyer ever to live. Listen, yeah. it's still important. It's just, it's an important part of his backstory. It's how so, he knows he's a warrior is because he's a really terrible lawyer. I think. I've been thinking about this for days. <laughs> so, I, oh my goodness. Uh, no, it's not. It's. I'm so sorry. Why this is amazing. Why was it the same? You know? Oh, I was like, well, maybe he got into a battle and he got new things. I think his head looks a little things, different. You know? Yeah, he had modifications. He had like some Botox in his head. I think he looks head. different. God mm -hmm. damn it. You got so, a hoodwink there. Retroactively, it has been accepted that this is um, Worf's great-grandfather. Okay. And that... His, it is canonically, that is a Colonel Worf, which is odd because he has the same last name, first name. So he should be Colonel Moog, which is, would be the family name. So are you theory. saying he's Worf Worf? He's Worf Worf. Worf Worf, yeah. I did know a woman once in my church whose name was Ruth and she married a man whose last name was, and her name oh, was no. Ruth. Ruth, Ruth. Wow. Oh, that's but, right. I mean, that's when you're day. in love, you don't care about that. No, you don't it care about matter. that. It doesn't matter. <clears throat> I'll be double Ruth. I don't care. I'll be Ruth Square. This is why my, my college girlfriend called Whittington just never worked. We never... We... <laughs> <laughs> Whittington, Whittington. It's just, it was never going to work between us. Um, oh, wow, no, that, I, was, that I, was groundbreaking. I'm glad that you mentioned that because I was mm -hmm. really excited. But it's happened before. What was the... We were watching an episode uh, where the Ferengi was played by... Oh, this was amazing. ...the mm -hmm. actor who would then go on to play um, Neelix. Yes. And, and so, and I recognized his voice. He has such a distinctive voice, and I was yeah. like, I wonder. I know, I know, Danae likes Voyage. I wonder if she'll pick up on it. And it bugged her for like, I let her sit with it for like half I an hour. I couldn't think of his name. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you who this is. But no, I, I knew the character. Ferengi. I knew the character. I was like, I could see yeah. it in my mind, but I could not remember Neil, the name Neelix. Yeah. He looks like a but. cat. He's a chef. He's kind of annoying. Like mm, no, you just recognize this Ferengi from your browser history. Do somehow. you guys? <laughs> do you guys want to be in the friend group that just gets called in for casting calls for doing Star Trek stuff? Like oh, like one hundred percent. They reuse. So the prison warden guard on Rurapente is in. That is his fourth role. He's in Voyager. He plays Data's grandfather. He's in this, and he plays somebody in star trek 5 as well like he just like you just keep getting gigs with new prosthetics it's so great that's fine. and the, the guy who plays gorkin's been in famous star trek roles right the... david warner yeah yeah he's um <clears throat> gold madrid he's um he's actually a human in star trek 5 um, and i think this was an apology i was like we're really sorry we did that to you in star trek 5 you get to lead the entire klingon empire in this movie awesome. as a redemption awesome <laughs> so great um, Danae, any other huge positives? Anything no. that you thought, I love this movie? Oh, no, I could geek out on this for a long, long time. But uh, I think we should do a little bit of round robin for sins. Oh, it's way more fun to sin it, as always. With that, let's head over to engineering for a sins since it's futile. 
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Warning. Warp core collapse in 10 seconds. This is the part of the show where we re-engage our sin brains, remind ourselves that no movie is without sin, even our beloved Star Trek. Oh, okay, Jeremy, you first. Oh, really? Because I'm coming for this kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> <laughs> Why does it exist? This kitchen exists. This kitchen like- has like five <laughs> people making roasted turkey <laughs> and mashed potatoes in a stock pot. And I do not... Star Trek needing a kitchen is not something that computes for me. Uh, <clears throat> they have long been able to just... <laughs> poof food into existence yeah. mm-hmm. and so i feel like they're wasting a lot of money on personnel they don't need here i also think mm-hmm. this is a sneaky thanksgiving movie because they're making roast turkey <laughs> and mashed potatoes yeah the kitchen uh-huh. also has i i don't know if you noticed it has a series of like five dumb waiters that appear to be like atm tubes like pneumatic <laughs> like you're gonna put the roast turkey in this dumb waiter and then it goes it goes up and presumably over at some point because there's only four or five dumb waiters they have to be able to service the whole ship and if you mm-hmm. have dumb waiters going up to the whole ship <laughs> why are you only making three or four turkeys you need to be making like 60 turkeys a lot. The biggest uh-huh. problem with the kitchen is that when they try to prove why you can't vaporize something oh, on man. the ship it's casually revealed not even spoken <laughs> of that in the kitchen there's an armory just hanging on the wall with lots of phasers in it because the kitchen may one day be the last line of defense and we better make sure those fuckers are armed Um, and then uh, the final sin about the kitchen is when she does vaporize the stock pot how do the mashed potatoes and the whisk stay there but the stock pot disappears how do they know yeah how does it know to stop at the at the outer part just and when it vaporizes people why doesn't it like vaporize the skin skin. and then leave the organs and this little juicy red bits fall flop to the floor that's not what happens so everything about the kitchen in this particular movie drives me batty and uh, I I had to have (laughs) I say think about that Oh it's man, it makes me, it's, I, I absolutely love that, like, Chekhov is then on, like, stand down duty, like, Uhura comes running in and says, did somebody fire a phaser? <laughs> and uh, Chekhov is just like, just get rid of the security guards. Fucking Scotty comes down and he's like, who's firing phasers in the galley? And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing here? Why is everyone meeting in the galley? Like, where's security gone? Like, what's going on Who's here? on the bridge right now? Nobody, you're all yes, down here exactly. checking on that alarm. <laughs> <laughs> They're all trying it's to sneak so a little bit of potatoes. They're, they're, they're secretly there because they're all the kinds of people that when there's somebody cooking, they have to go uh-huh. in and take a little quick snip. <laughs> well, they can now. And like, how thick were those potatoes? Because they did not move. No. Like, they were solid. They yeah, just I don't, don't want to eat those. Those no are concrete potatoes. No one wants no, those. No, no. Yeah, you know why? Because they're in space and they don't know how to cook. Because <laughs> mm, they have it. replicators they that they should be to. using. Decorative kitchen. <laughs> yeah, it just, it always baffles me that like, Chekhov, who was originally like a security person, doesn't understand how phasers work and doesn't doesn't know that the vaporized setting or firing a phaser will set off all of the alarms. You're the chief of security, <laughs> Chekhov. How do you not know this shit? What are you doing here? You could say Did that. Did you just want to say vaporize? About him and Aurora, the whole movie. They're neither one of them. Yeah. And even even Bones. Like, you haven't learned Klingon anatomy <laughs> in 30 years? Okay, that was so confusing. Uh-huh. Can we talk of about course. that? Like, yes. So 
go he for goes it. running in this is this will be my sin he goes running in and he checks his neck and then he admits he has no idea yeah, about I don't know what I'm doing. their anatomy <laughs> Like, well, then why are you so confidently checking for a pulse if you don't have any idea about their anatomy in the first place? Like, what if there is no pulse? And then he just starts going, bam, bam, bam. Yeah. He's doing CPR on a Klingon. It's like, no, stop it. And they're just watching. They've just beamed aboard people that they think killed them all. And they're like, yeah, come on in. Come on in and just, you know, jump on top of this guy and start dramatically beating his chest and giving him CPR as mm. if he knows their anatomy. Yeah. And you know what? My question it's was, wild. wow, he he doesn't, he knows what he's doing. Cool, doctor's shown up. And then he's like on top of him after doing all these <laughs> things going, I don't really know what I'm doing, guys. And it works. And it works. It works for a few seconds because it brings him back. And Long Coke's enough just... for him to deliver the new, you know, the, yeah. the, 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 the line. Dying words. Yeah, Man, that was definitely sinful. Coke's just like, <laughs> What are you? Uh, is he going to live? And McCoy's just like, I don't even know what species he is. <laughs> I don't even know. I can't tell you that. Can't it's tell crazy. you a thing. There is. We are going to talk about the purple blood because this is yeah. The let's one, talk about that. It's the one bit of the movie that I roll my eyes at a little bit. They were a bit over ambitious with the three D globules of blood floating through space. Mm-hmm. It was very jelly esque. The 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 idea and the concept there was way ahead of the technology that we had. Do I don't it. mind that. I just didn't understand how it was purple on in one scene, but then whenever they're in the assassination at the end it's and the Klingon dies, he has red blood. And it's super graphic yeah. too. It's like yeah. mm-hmm. I I've heard that they went purple to keep it from being graphic, which maybe they did. I don't care. But then at the end, why didn't they go purple to keep it from being graphic? Yeah. yeah. And to keep it consistent. Yeah. Um the baffling thing for me is that always and i kind of like this there's there's they always try to explain it so there is an unofficial explanation that the crew of chronos one um the the ship that the the chancellor and everybody is on is that's the leading class so they are of royal blood and that the royal blooded klingons have a slightly different blood type that is purple yeah okay and that's <laughs> that's why and that's why we never see yeah, it okay. again because on tv you don't get a lot of blood. i would so more, that's what i'm gonna stick I'm more to. likely to buy that it was a pepto-bismol product placement than i am yeah royal blood is mm-hmm. purple so much of it so so much of it um right what is jeremy my... you got another one Oh, is it yo that was, was purple I, blood not yours Ian? Yeah, no, I just I jumped in on everybody's it's Okay. Um, it's a fine. It's a conversation of sins. It's it's crazy. Uh, I'm going to jump right 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 to the end. It always bugs me that the torpedo that Spock and McCoy is working on is moving. I'm just like what, what, what happened? <laughs> but like, that looked cool. Know, it looked cool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it looks cool, but it's like what if like McCoy got his foot stuck or like what if they're, like, they're going to open the doors? There's a point of no return at some point. And do you need, I guess every second counts, but I'm just like, man, this is stressing me out. Like, just work on it, load it and fire. Like, is it going to get vented or something? And Spock's already made that trip once. Like, he doesn't need to be fired in a torpedo again. <laughs> I'm sorry, wait. What? Yeah, that's a, <laughs> oh, no, another no. movie you got to uh, watch. Wait. Oh, yeah, okay. Movie, yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, oh man, man. Jeremy. <clears throat> um, you know, I'm really bugged by just sort of the technological abilities of things in this movie, right? Because it's not consistent. Mm-hmm. When the opening scene, Sulu opens up the takes off the lens cap of the Excelsior's space camera, <laughs> magnifies yeah. to 50 billion optical zoom and literally takes a picture of Praxis in half 
uh, all the way over in Klingon space. And I was not aware these sorts of cameras were possible. And if they are, then later on our little radio conversation where uh, Enterprise pretends mm -hmm. to be a Klingon ship, well, that shouldn't happen. That Klingon outpost should be able to take the lens cap off its space camera and see mm -hmm. what the hell kind of ship that is. And <clears throat> that just feels inconsistent to me. And then at the end, when they're, they give the whole movie, actually, they give the Federation the finger and pretend to have a problem. And I look around at my current technology <clears throat> that I'm not allowed to <laughs> fix myself uh, or that I can't take anywhere without being tracked by the people who made it. Mm -hmm. And there's no fucking way Starfleet would not have a bring home button somewhere oh, at the space dock an that would just bring yeah. that ship home whenever the, the captain, particularly Kirk, defies Especially orders. Kirk. You would have a return to home option on that mm. thing. Uh, because freaking in five years, cars are going to have that. Where, oh, I got wasted last night. My car's at the bar. Come home, car, and it's going to do it. Mm -hmm. But starships, they're not going to do that? No. Anyway. And, it, I mean, he has form for stealing the Enterprise. <laughs> he has literally done it before. Yeah, exactly. Like, this, and also, Excelsior, the one time you let it out of space stock, and it, it goes rogue as yep, well. Yep. Like, none of these <clears throat> ships are going to be out for much longer. Oh, man, it's so true. And you would think, like, that, if they can see Praxis that clearly, man, the Klingons should be pissed because they're going to be spying on the Klingon homeworld as well. Like, it is a moon of Kronos. Like, see, so you're just going to be spying on the Klingons. That's why this ship was in dock for 12 years. It's actually, there's no one living in that whole bottom part. It's just part of the camera. <laughs> it's just a new James Webb thing. Yeah, James that Webb massive, like, yeah. massive telescope. Yep. The entire oh, bottom part is just a huge amazing. telescope. It's so great. <laughs> Danae. Oh, man, where the fuck did those books come from? And why aren't you using a goddamn computer? Mm. That drove me. <laughs> like, it cuts over. They're like, we have to figure out Klingon. And they suddenly, <laughs> they a library <laughs> has appeared all over the place. Where are your pads? Where are your data cards? This would all be stored in data chips. There's there's absolutely not a library on no. this fucking spacecraft where they have tomes <laughs> and tomes of potential languages. The Merriam-Webster Klingon dictionary. flipping through like, um, I'm pretty sure, oh guys, this is actually the telephone book yeah. from, from, from the, you know, America yeah. in 1994. We just happened to have one on board for, you know, just for research reasons later, chucking things around. I mean, it was comical and it was a nice little break from the intensity but it was so fucking stupid. Like they, so they would dumb. have a computer that they'd be like, "Computer, how do I say? Oh, don't mind us. We're just um coming on through. Blah blah blah. Whatever." They should have had that. And the, the computer says back, "This is how you say it in Klingon." And, yes, or which the, they or, have. The universal, the universal translator. Yeah, just like reverse engineer that shit and be like. Blah, 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 yeah. you know, but instead it's this humorous thing anyways. I would send the fuck out of that part. So I know they can't use the universal translator because it would give them away somehow. But the computer, yeah, like you say, can still talk to them and then they rehash it back. Or like, who wrote the book? It's so silly. <gasps> if Ahura isn't writing the book <laughs> so on silly. Klingon language after Where did they get it? years in space. Like, <laughs> how? And yeah. the, the real, real kicker is us watching... Cadet Ahura in Strange New Worlds, who is like who knows like sixty man, languages or something. One of the funniest moments with Danae, I was like, don't get too attached to Ahura because as there was some she gets dumber cool as she revolutionary <laughs> stuff by including her in the original series, but she gets done dirty in the movies and all of the cool stuff she does in Strange New Worlds. I was like, she just ends up being kind of sidelined, underused, underused. Yeah. So it's 
it's, we're this gonna was her say moment she had to like shine. a head trauma or something uh-huh yeah. and scotty comes in with all of the answers like he pushes it to one side just like no you don't want to say that say this i was like fuck you dude when did you learn Klingon? Yeah. you can barely speak english yeah. why are you here again why are you in this room yeah. right now you should be in engineering <laughs> canadian with a uh, scottish accent what are you doing with klingon anyway so yeah i would send that heck yeah and i've, o- I've only got a couple b- uh, more that i would bring to the table what about um, you guys yeah, so my next one was, um, I mean, just the entire the entire court scene, as brilliant as it is, it is just a showcase for Christopher Plummer to eat up some scenery. Yep. Like, the actual, I know it's a show trial, but even for a show trial, it's pretty piss poor. <laughs> like, the defense is non-existent. Like, poor old Colonel Wolf just comes up with some ridiculous legal arguments and some easily disprovable stuff and and chang is just continues to quote shakespeare traps them into a corner and it's it is just laughable it's like man they never should have agreed to well and there's they they play audio of kirk talking from his captain's Mm. log which we know i guess the balkan lady overheard is the ultimate explanation for that but in the moment kirk mccoy Spock watching on the Enterprise, all the Federation people watching back on Earth. Nobody is surprised to hear a Captain's Log audio being played by our enemy, the Klingon. How the fuck did they get that audio? Even if she overheard it, they had to hack the Mm -hmm. Enterprise's databases. And I would think a Captain's Log is the kind of thing you keep pretty secure on your Starship database. And it's just all like she was walking around with a a voice recorder for voice memos and turned it on or something. That that always bugs me that nobody, Kirk himself should have been like, how the fuck did you get that? Instead, he's like, yeah, those are my words. And I'm like, dude, you are giving up. Yeah. Well, you know that they're doing it so that they can save the reveal that it's Kim Cattrall's character at the end, and that mm-hmm. was one of the little winks and nods that she was the nefarious double yeah. agent. But absolutely, when that happened, it's like, uh, that's a problem, and everyone listening should be freaked out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's I had like the same finding thought. it's like finding the Watergate tapes and then just not doing anything about it. It's like, okay. like no biggie, it's fine. This is okay. This is fine. Uh, Danae, what else did you have? Um, so this one, I don't know, maybe. Maybe I missed something, um, and you guys will unsend this one. It might be argumentative. I'm not sure. So the Klingons come over for for to eat, and then they go to the transporter room, and then and they're beamed off the ship. Mm-hmm. But it looks like one of the Klingons speaks into his transporter that they're ready to be transported out, and mm-hmm. then they're transported by the Klingon ship. So is it just a courtesy to use the? transporter room then yeah. is it just like, was... we're gonna go to this room <laughs> this is the place where we go so i i i <laughs> just I'm suddenly just just, you know what dinner is going so badly just beam them out right yeah. now to get the That's dessert exactly course. Right. I never even like... thought about so i did think of this and i just it was the only reason it's argumentative is it, it could just be in incoming and then the enterprise does the beaming in the reason that falls apart is because when the evil Starfleet guys beam across, they, they beam in, they do all of the shooting in the EV suits, but then when they beam back, it's red. So somebody on the Klingon ship is beaming them back using the Klingon transporters. Mm. Or right, else it and we should knew that they blue. were... They, I thought that they were... I don't remember what color it was, but I, I, I remember thinking, is that the right color? Because it was just confusing to me. But either way, uh, I would... We would yeah. look at that. There's, we would examine way, that a little bit and see if there's a sin in there. That's inconsistent there's with the there. color of the 
I mean, I don't know why they would use the Klingon transporter room. Like, just get at the the inconsistency amount. I can only assume that it takes more energy unless you're in the transporter room. Somehow, I'm just curious how it that saves works. energy by doing it. Yeah, they should be using the transporter to beam those turkeys instead of using the dumb way. Heck yeah. Thanksgiving dinner will exactly. be beamed to your quarters exactly. at 5.55. Let's do it. <laughs> exactly. I've never understood why, and they only do, they do this once in Voyager. When you get through the shields of an enemy ship, just beam a ton of torpedoes inside the ship and blow them up. Like, you don't have to worry about targeting sensors anymore. Just beam them from the inside Brilliant. out. Or just fucking beam them all into space. Brilliant. Just do it. Yeah. Baffle. I would be evil at Star Trek. They should not. It should not happen. Um, I just had a little... Oh, yeah, sorry. So... The briefing room that we briefly see, and this is where they, they have dinner and you've got that long table. I was like, that looks oddly familiar. And I remember thinking this years and years ago. And it's exactly the same as the the briefing room that's used in the first two seasons of TNG. And I was like, man, you had to save some money here because you're using the same engine room, the same corridor. You've redressed the briefing room. And I was like, that's weird. Why isn't it in season three? So I did some digging and obviously the briefing room gets blown up during the final attack when Chang is firing and they wanted to redress the briefing room in TNG. And I was like, well, I guess you can blow it up for the undiscovered country then. (laughs) That's amazing. That is amazing. It's so, so great. That's how you do it. We're going to redecorate anyway. How do we give it a send off? And we're like, well, let's just redress it to look like the Enterprise A and then blow that fucker up. (laughs) Let's do it. Love it. It's so great. That's amazing. It's so, so great. But 80 years separated, there is very little that should look the same. Based on like how often they change their fucking uniform, like how does the engine room of the Enterprise A look the same as the Enterprise B? Hey, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, and also Hollywood budgets <laughs> and stuff. But still, still, I'm not happy. Um, any, anything else, Jeremy, that's bugging you? Uh, no, I think we've pretty much covered mm. all of it. I, uh, I, I can't think of anything else. Uh, plus, I just love this movie too much to send it uh-huh. too often. That was my my next line was, it is just a perfect movie. Yeah. Um, eh, perfect-ish. I love it. It's just so fun. It was a great send-off. There is like the classic second star to the right and straight on to morning. And Danae okay. was just like... I'm so like... <laughs> Captain Kurtz fucking happy. quoting Peter Pan right yeah, now? Yeah, <laughs> but a, in a movie that has almost exclusively quoted Shakespeare, it's always yes. struck me as weird that they couldn't find a Shakespeare quote for him to use right, right there. I know. Like, there has been this high-level dialogue. Uh-huh. And you give Captain Kirk Peter Pan. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's like, isn't all good Wait, things? What? But then when they start signing their names across the screen mm. and the music, that gets me every time. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, it me. was really nice for them to make sure that all the merch looks authentic so everyone can hold up their <laughs> their signed autograph going, okay, yeah, mine's real. That's <laughs> so cynical. I love it. I was like, no, nope, that's... <laughs> It's not technically the same signature at the end of Undiscovered Country, and therefore it's, it's not, not that official. <laughs> that's right. That's exactly right. Uh-huh, your, uh-huh. your signed autographed merchandise is worth less because it doesn't match the movie. It's very clever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's very clever. Um, my, my last thought was just, you had to let uh, Kirk kiss someone. Like, did you have to give him the semi-romance thing? Not like, just that. Hey, what's oh, that's man. a disgusting-ass kiss. Like... That is a gross kiss. That's there's nothing romantic or even sexy about no. that. It's gross no. and it's really ugh, gross. I don't like that moment. It, mm-hmm. I didn't either. I wrote. I wrote like. So is he kissed so frequently that this is sort of normal then? Yep. Because if if someone is aggressive, if someone just is like, hey. 
When McCoy is right there just trying to get some sleep. The into all of the prisoners are there. Yeah. Like it, it's almost as if that the people who are setting him up are like, listen, this mm-hmm. guy gets kissed a lot. <laughs> yeah. Surefire way to get him to be like, you're on my mm-hmm. side is just tongue the man. I mean, so. let's let's talk about the, the bad guy's plan because like the the whole ruse of no, it would be far too too suspicious if you both died in an accident. <laughs> what? And this is less suspicious? Like, just kill him. If you want him dead, kill him. No one cares. No one's gonna do anything. You got him by um, the balls. Just while we're speaking of balls, um, and while we're in this area yes. Of, yes. of of the prisoner mm-hmm. area. Uh-oh. She's going for the knees. <laughs> <Yeah>. What <laughs> why? <laughs> Why have it exposed? That's what I'm saying. You, know? like, you can have your genitals anywhere you want, but if they're in your knee, why are you wearing pants with holes in the knee? You're always wearing it, a cuff. Here's, always. Here's the, no, here's the thing. You watch that scene. He's not in pain. He's being pleasured. That man is a fucking freak. <laughs> okay? Because the moan goes on for so long. He is exposing himself. <laughs> I did not watch that scene as if he was hurt and kicked the nads. I watched that scene like he was like, oh yeah. And I was like, this is like a fucking sexual predator who's exposing his junk to people all the time and he's just waiting for someone to be like, God, why? You know, your skin, why, why is your knee exposed? And then they touch it and he's like, oh, oh yeah. Man. And that's a sin. Like, that, that is definitely the a sin. The tone of his moan like echoes and reverberates through the cave. Uh, and, and Danae was like, is he enjoying that? Why is that moan carrying on? And I'm just like, wait for it. <laughs> you know, Anyhow. It's going to be a review. I was very uncomfortable. I only have one more sin. I feel it. like it may be the most sinful thing of the entire movie. Oh, it's the boy. very, very beginning. Here we go. Why watch your teacup fall? You have so much time. Because it's iconic. It's classic. It's not iconic. It's it is not now. classic. It is disrespectful of your tea. It is disrespectful of the cup that's holding your oh, tea. Oh, it's such a beautiful little china cup as well. It's so pretty. There's so much time. It's like mm-hmm. the five minutes pass and we're just watching this teacup and the whole time I'm like, just <laughs> fucking stop it from falling off the goddamn floor. Like, but he had to why work are himself, we watching it? He had to work himself up to that big, shoot! Yeah, I mean, shoot! he lets the shits. Uh, this is actually a, a kind of an issue. He lets that ship shudder mm-hmm. for like 22 seconds <laughs> before yeah. he raises the shield. Yeah. And it's not just like yeah. a little bit of shake. That thing is like a, no. having an earthquake. And he's just looking at the screen. getting thrown from bed. And then he goes, The telescope is, like, uh, is shaking. Pretty late there, yes. buddy. It's, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I wasn't sure if the shields went up because they didn't show like a graphic or anything. So mm. I was glad that it did because it's I was like. It was a bit sketchy in the movies about not what the shields put it up? Yeah. But the tea falling was so frustrating to me like mm. you just know in a sh- in a ship with so much equipment that has to run properly we're just mm-hmm. spilling shit for fun and mm-hmm. somewhere in the galley yeah. there's a worker who prepared that tea <laughs> and sent it up to him via the dumb waiter <laughs> who's like you don't Which respect my word what the hell <laughs> fuck you uh-huh. i'm gonna vaporize your mug and just let the tea content sit there on your, on your little saucer <laughs> i did have one additional sin on that and it is the height of that table is like shin busting like there is no way he's not walking into that thing. Every Con- day. And what else is it for? No other captain has ever had that. It's just for his tea. It's a little side lounge tea moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely mm-hmm. crazy. Okay, we're going to do a little very quick fun prediction section. So it's off to the ready room. Welcome to the captain's ready room where we hear our predictions for a future movie, perhaps. 
Um, and and that's pretty much what we're going to do. So, really, really quick question. Obviously, we know what happens next. Danae. Scotty, we do see him again. Okay. We do see Spock again. We okay. do see Kirk again. Really quickly, how do we see these three people in um, the future of the franchise? They're golfing, Ooh. for sure. Yeah. Interesting. That would not be, yeah. if you'd seen five, that would not be super out of because they go, they go <laughs> camping true. and mountain climbing. And- they dedicate yeah. a good chunk of the wrong time to camping and row, row, it's row the, your boat. It's the quintessential, like, something has happened. We got to go get the people who know what's going on. And so they go mm-hmm. interrupt them as they're having their retirement. And so it's like a retirement interruption situation. Oh, That's my prediction. One last job. Could you imagine yeah. Kirk, Spock, and Scotty as a golf threesome? <laughs> oh my god yeah but i think spock would bury them i think like, he would he's way too logical and and kirk is too emotional yeah. and he would he would be breaking clubs and couldn't keep he it. would just be using a driver constantly like regardless of the show <laughs> and scotty scotty might be good scotty would be like hey my people invented this game so part of it's oh, in my 100%. Mm. uh-huh he's actually he's actually descended from um what's his name the oh i can't remember a single golfer's name now um, the scottish okay. one yeah mon 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 Mon- is it Montague. This? Is there a Montgomery? No. Sure. Anyway, are we, ta- is, are we talking golf- about a specific golfer, or are we just trying to name one? Yeah, the Scottish one, the Scottish golfer. Oh, Colin Montgomery. Mon- yeah, is that him? I don't know. Yeah, sure. I got that right. I don't. I Good. don't know anything. Welcome All I know Golfcast. is that I can see it in my mind, and it's wonderful. But they're on yeah. like a different planet. They're not on Earth. So mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a tournament that takes you from planet to planet, where you have to like. It's an intergalactic mm. planetary golf tournament. Planetary. Yeah, 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 planetary intergalactic planetary. Yeah, I don't think I want that Star Trek movie. I do. <laughs> I I'll tell you what, I would take it over get... generations. <clears throat> oh, I will fight you for that, but not <laughs> on not on this episode. I would say I was excited for this part of the show when I thought that I was going to be able to say that I was going to predict that Worf was going to come back, but turns out. Uh, <laughs> Instead, oh, no. I'm going to have to predict that Worf will be born someday. <laughs> yeah, that's a fair assumption. That's fair. <laughs> I mean, just a passing line. I'm hoping that in season three of Picard, we get a passing... Sh- I don't care how shoehorned it is, but Worf is just like asked to like give a witness testimony. And he's just like, Oh, Look, I want to see Worf so bad. My family has a bad track record of representing people in court, <laughs> so I'd rather not be a part of this. Yes. That's all I need. Let's see all that. Is he the only main that. one that's not like confirmed to come back? For- so he he's definitely coming back, 100%. Oh, good. Um, because Terry um, Metalis, Metalis, who's doing like part of the show running with Akiva Goldsman, um, somebody like he's super active on Twitter and someone asked him like really snarkily oh I bet you're going to change Worf and he's going to look like the Discovery Klingons or the J.J. Abrams Klingons and we're going to hate it and he just he retweeted it and said Worf looks like Worf awesome and that and that was like yes awesome it. yes oh, I love Ooh, that okay we're going to we're going to flip over into TNG for not oh. careful keep, keep us focused Captain okay. keep us focused okay well thank you for listening everyone thank you Jeremy for joining in with us it's Cry Havoc from me oh for me it's Grandoc Aaron team Yes. Uh, it's Spock's bitch slap for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! When he slaps that thing out of her, it's so vicious. Oh, damn you, damn you, sir! You will try. And as always, live long and prosper. Oh, I said it too. Do <laughs> it! You took my line. Have you no decency? Thanks for listening. Want to connect with the show? Our hailing frequencies are always open through Captain's Pod at Cinemasins.com. Like, comment, and subscribe on your podcast player of choice, and be sure to visit cinemasins.com. 
Let's fucking do this. It's time to watch some Star Trek and chat with the boys. I don't know what, what what's a, where to go next. You have phasers or toys? That's too many. Yeah, I'm gonna need help with this one. Send me your lyric options and I will sing them. <laughs> Send your lyrics to captainspod at cinemasins.com. <laughs> you recording on your end? Of course. Good. Not. No. Mm, mm, <laughs> <laughs> mm, grumble. <laughs> so I've been playing video games or app games rather with Iris. Oh, nice. Of course. I mean, I'm, we're a gaming family. Yeah. Yeah, she needs to be corrupted immediately. Like immediately. Yeah, I don't know. She's five now, but it has been going on for years. So she is like, <laughs> she's embedded. I have played Mario Kart and Donkey Kong with this young lady. She is a fiend. She's very, very good. But we get inundated with ads for other games, of mm-hmm. course, because that's the world of yeah app gaming. So I decided to start downloading several of them that I'm like, okay, what is that? Because she and I look for sort of like simple puzzle games to play together. Mm-hmm. So uh, they're all ad-based games. I mean, we're of just, course, of course, it, it won't go away. But maybe there's a good game in there. So I downloaded like five, six new games to try. Nice. Oh no, your face does not communicate happiness. <laughs> <laughs> I sense a disturbance. The problem is, is like I've I, I'm in. <laughs> I sense a disturbance. Is that the right podcast? Wait, yeah, that's a it? different show. That, <laughs> that's that a different was a, show. Oh. That was a Star Wars. Um, that was a Star Wars reference. I am choking on my aspirations. No, it should be like the beacon is picking up a signal. That's what it should be, right? Something. <laughs> I don't know if that's specifically Star Trek. Red alert! <laughs> Your face screamed red alert to me. We're getting puzzle games, but the ads are for increasingly more concerning games. Oh, so is this? This is like a pyramid scheme where like. If you're a sucker enough to download this game, <laughs> then we funnel the really shitty adverts at you. Uh-huh. That's Got exactly it. it. <laughs> oh, okay. no. So I'm testing a game out. I usually test the games before I open them up Wise. with Iris because I want to know what she's getting into. Mm-hmm. Smart. I'm playing this game. It's all about people going into um, a, a fair mm-hmm. and, uh, and riding rides and not getting angry about wait time. Okay, yeah, I've played similar games. It's like a Q game, like yeah. theme, theme hot theme. I don't know, theme theme park, roller coaster, yeah, yeah, theme yeah. park. Yeah, that's it. Exactly, exactly. This game will be deleted quickly. Oh, okay, okay. Because there's, there's just she's not. This isn't her style. That this isn't. She's not interested in earning coins and upgrading. And so this one's going to be gone soon. Mm-hmm. No patience but for this one. I played it for probably 10, 15 minutes, and I had three ads for this one particular game. And I, I can't wait to tell you about it. Oh, please tell me. I'm dying. All of that lead up to this. Do it. <laughs> which Hit is, me. Ian, there is a game. Oh, no. That is entirely designed about how difficult it is to give exact change. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> how broken called- are we as a society? Cashier 3D. That is the worst graphics I've ever seen. They're terrible. That's terrifying. You're essentially in the ad is like, it's my first day. I've never counted change before. Please, Please don't get help. angry with me. I need this job. Oh my okay. goodness. You pick up the little scanner. You scan a number. The person hands you, let's say that the it's $29.90 and the person hands you 50 bucks. Mm-hmm. 
the cash register opens and you're supposed to give the change back. Uh Now, the machine in front of you tells you exactly how much change to give back. You're not doing any math. Where's the puzzle? It's it's just that people don't know how to give change for cash because we're in a fucking debit card society uh-huh. and nobody and knows how challenge. to give exact change. I remember being at a, a coffee shop last. No, it was it was before pandemic. So I'm saying last year, but it was uh-huh, before uh-huh. pandemic. Okay, uh, okay. I'm in there. So five years ago then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it seems like it was last year. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it was this young girl who was clearly like, this was maybe like her first job or something. And she was absolutely frozen with fear when I gave her cash. Oh no, because she was I not gave ready. Her, I gave her cash and change so that when I got my change back, it was like exactly five bucks. Do you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Like, so so she had to do some you mental gave her gymnastics. A bit more so that I, you could she could give you a straight break no. twenty. No, right, yeah, right. uh-huh. That is the worst. As somebody who has spent ten years in retail, don't do that. You think you're helping, you, you I, but it is not. I don't care if I'm helping. So I don't want <laughs> so this isn't even helping. I, this is because you I want don't a want $14.12. <laughs> I want 15 bucks. Then pay That's my what card. I want. <laughs> I have had, I, I'm getting flashbacks. I've had cashiers call me and they've said to me, <laughs> Ian, I know I'm being stupid. I am fully aware that I'm a 16 year old piece of shit and I am definitely, <laughs> oh, no. I'm definitely in the wrong here. But they've given me too much money so that I can what give them a I whole do? note. This seems dodgy. And they're worried that like they're trying to be conned out of money because they're giving back too much change. Like, yeah, but then people will do that. People will switch change backwards and forwards to confuse the cashier and get more money out of them. So we we are trained to not do that. That's crazy. <laughs> I could not believe this app. I mean, there's got to be apps out there that it would just make me, my mind hurt with oh, it's, it's, what they are. I don't even want to think. Like there's, do you remember, I think we sinned this. It was Rick and Morty. And um, Morty's dad, uh, J- Jerry, is he's on his phone and he's just playing a balloon where you pop balloons and i can't remember if you sinned or not it might have been me and aaron but all it is is that balloons appear on the screen and you go pop there's no scoreboard there's no nothing and we tried to sin it and we're just like no that checks out <laughs> there is an app that exists <laughs> no there oh 100 percent. iris played that when she was a child like like a super child like a child she's yeah. five what am i saying Probably, an infant yes and, and yeah, she was a 40 year old man <laughs> there are other people doing it I don't want to judge, but I am judging. So this is called AVO, mm-hmm. A-V-O. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh, there's some ladies on there. Right. So I'm the fucking some... cool thing yeah. about this game is... You can move AVO by drawing lines like this. Oh, that's so cool. Oh, wow. And you can it's draw a lines too. augmented reality hey, thing. moving AVO over to this blue flask here. <gasps> oh, that's so cute. <laughs> you sent him on the longest little trip. Man, why isn't this a thing? This is incredible. Okay, so you're I wanna science. play this game. You're like a scientist, you're discovering mm-hmm. a mystery. With an avocado. And you are guiding an avocado that this mad scientist accidentally brought to life in a lab experiment. That's adorable. And what's amazing about it is like in your imagination, you're probably thinking, oh, this is animated. But they actually shot all of this with a ca- like a, uh-huh. a video recorder. Yeah, it's in really like 4K resolution, 
And the avocado is also a real avocado that they've just drawn some legs and arms on. And you are moving it around inside of a real universe. It's so cool. So they've done this really beautiful and interactive interface. Mm. Um, So what she does is she like spills beans. And essentially how you know where to go is you follow kind of the trail of beans and you collect beans. And then you can give the avocado outfits as you're going through. So Iris spent approximately... 40 seconds drawing the most insane line, oh, which you can't avocado. really call, you can't call it a line. <laughs> oh, no, call it it's a route. Yes. It was just like this twirly, whirly, swirly, girly, whirly, I just it went everywhere, released her finger, and that fucking avocado just went all <laughs> over the place, followed it perfectly. The whole thing we was cackling panting laughing. at the end, just like, I'm so tired. <laughs> <laughs> My little avocado legs. Are we wearing our, are we wearing our comm badges today? Um, we, we can. Do you want to wear your comm badge? I'm going to get my, I'll get my comm badge. I'm just above the left nipple, which can vary depending on. But my left nipple is by my belly button, Ian. Um, then just deal with it. Just put it there. That's too low. <laughs> Don't you I... dare judge. I'm not judging. I'm just saying that's a really terrible. It should be like it should be like two inches in from your shoulder and two and an inch down from your clavicle or something. Yeah, that makes it should, sense. It should actually. be based on it should be based on anatomy that doesn't move. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't shift. Hey, look, you can absolutely move your clavicle if something goes wrong. Like if you, know you comment, what I mean. If you comment on the position of another woman's nipples, then your clavicle may well be moved for you. <laughs> it depends on what you say. <laughs> it's very true. No, I De- think kind of any comment deserves a clavicle kicking. I, I feel like we should just in general never comment on a woman's appearance. Yeah, 100%. Totally agree. Watching oh, wh- your expressions through the undiscovered country was interesting. Oh, it was... All right, well, let's save it for the show. Well, we're in the show. This is going to be the outtakes. Everything, nothing. We can't have a conversation. Me and Danae well, don't talk, me. but I no, know, I don't I want to know. We oh. never talk unless Jesus. we're recording because we it has to be like for the show. Where's Albie? I'm messaging Albie. Do it, message him, see where it gets you. Yeah, you're about to get a message here in a couple of minutes that can stop oh, being a yeah. butt. Stop being a dick to Danae. I was like, no, she started it. <laughs> I did not. I was trying to save it for the show. You were talking about my nipples. Oh, uh, what? <laughs> What? This is the first original series film that she's watching. So oh, wow. She, yeah, right? So she's diving in right at the end of the journey. So I had to like explain oh, no. the Klingons, like why Kirk <laughs> is so pissy, why everyone is so old. Like <laughs> Okay, with that, let's hold it. <laughs> in the original Klingon. I could have sinned more. I was trying to pick like my kind of top favorites. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there were there were some that um, when when they're investigating the blood and the guy is like looking at the blood and the medical device is just shining into his own eye. I was very concerned <laughs> yes. about that. <laughs> this piece of scientific equipment also blinds you. <laughs> like what is happening right now? There was also this moment between Spock and Kim's uh, character where they drink out of this chalice that looks like something that was picked up at a thrift store. Just like those really gaudy 70s things that's actually a candle holder. So (laughs) another one that I was going to mention too was at the end when they're at this trial 
it goes so quickly from everyone having guns out and an assassination attempt to yeah. just clapping for the future. Slow like, clap. No one said, wait, wait, what? what's going on yeah. right now? It was just this yeah. super quick shift And it's not just tone. a clap. It's a stupid Disney slow clap that doesn't belong in any movie yeah. ever made. And Yeah. I don't think Klingons would clap that way, honestly. No. What was baffling to me is that there's two aliens. They are the same species. One of them is going, and the other one is like... <laughs> As if, like, clapping is alien to him. And I'm like, yeah, but your friend got it pretty quick. Like, get some context clues, my man. It's okay. <laughs> oh, and Jeremy, there was this character, right, that when they're f- first pulling out on the Enterprise, and they're, like, squealing their tires or whatever, and it cuts over to Scotty, and Scotty's, like, you know, happily looking at the at the engine, like, look at it go. And I was looking at the person just to our left of Scotty, and he's just like got the strangest expression on his face. He's like this. I've always focused on Scotty in that moment. <laughs> so and then weird. I had to like, rewind what is it. this guy doing? Like, what is he reacting to? He's... Why is he so concerned and surprised and scared all at the same time? And Ian was like, I've literally never looked at this person. Because everyone seen looks that at Scotty. Man. It's I don't worst, know Scotty. It's the worst side acting I've ever seen. It's, it's so like the, bad. <laughs> it's like the warp core just turned into a flower and he's like, He's like, (gasps) (gasps) so bad. So strange. If you watch it, just don't look at Scotty. Look to the left. It'll be. (laughs) When I'm in 10 forward waiting for you guys, can I be drinking that drink that Data thought was disgusting, but he loved it? It is revolting. (laughs) Man, what is it called? I hate this. More, please. (laughs) 